just have it here. And by the way, we have a we have a standing we have a standing offer. If you don't have a Bible and you can't get a Bible, don't worry about it. If you will see us, we will get you a Bible. We'll we'll make sure you have one. And uh, uh, listen, we're not going to spend thirty seven thousand dollars to send the Word of God to to India and not make sure America don't have some. I just I just have a conviction about that. Amen. And and we want not that we're not going to do that. We're going to keep doing that. We want to get the word of God all across the world, but we want to make sure you have it too and have it in your hand. And so we want you to have a Bible, all right? Exodus 19, verse number 1. In the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and when they come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up into, unto God, and the Lord God called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. A key verse. Key verse. Circle that one. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine." And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Do you all see a pattern here? God talks to Moses, Moses talks to them. They talk to Moses, Moses talks to God. you all see that? Now... And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people... He tells him what he's fixing to do and how he's going to do it. I come to thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the Lord unto the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, for let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people unto Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. And there shall not a hand touch it, and he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man. It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, then they shall come up to the mount. All right, there is a way to approach God. Say amen. He is laying it out here for them, and he is saying you need to be prepared. The Bible says without holiness, without purity, without cleanliness, no man shall see the Lord. And he's given them three days to get ready to meet him. Three days to get cleaned up. Three days to get their act in order. Three days to get their ducks in a row. I'm telling you, God cares about how we come to his house. Three days to get ready to meet him. And, the mount, and Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day, look what happened. In the morning that there were thunders and lightnings, a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Now read verse 17 in concert with me. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to do what? Say it again. Everybody say it. He brought them to meet with God. Father, thank you so much for all your blessings. Thank you for your goodness today. You're so wonderful. You're so glorious. Lord, your, pre your presence is so blessed. And God, I pray right now that you'll please touch my mind, my body, my soul, my heart. Don't let me say anything that I'm not supposed to say. Don't let me forget something I'm supposed to say. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
if you were a first-time attender, if you were a first-time attender this morning and you filled out one of those prayer cards, we want to go ahead and take them up. Did we have any first-timers? If you'll do this, if you'll hold them up, just hold that prayer card right up. We're going we're gonna to run like the wind to take them up. We've got some right there in the back, right here on this side. Did we have some over? Yeah, they're everywhere. Hey, man, that's great. Hold it, hold it up real high so we don't miss any. Anybody else? Did we miss any? Church, let's give all of them a hand for being with us today. Isn't that great? Hey, man. I want to I want to take you back. I want to take you back this morning and 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 let's look at an Old Testament story that describes in detail. I mean in detail. It describes in detail where we are right here at Temple Baptist Church in 2012. Isn't it amazing that God's word endureth forever? Isn't it amazing that God's word is never outdated? It is always on time. It's always up to date no matter what generation you're in. Amen. We are looking at an Old Testament story that will describe to a T where Temple Baptist Church is right now in 2012. We see this story. Uh, the, the nation of Israel, they have come out of bondage. Uh, they have been in slavery to Egypt for 400 years. Uh, here they are. God has sent a man by the name of Moses to deliver them out, lead them out of bondage. They've come out of Egypt with a strong hand, the Bible says. They've crossed the Red Sea, and now here they are at the foot of Mount Sinai. And God has a plan. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, God's plan for man. Do you realize before God ever called them out, he had a plan for them when they got out? And God does not just save you uh, to just get you out of hell and make sure you get an escape route out of hell and a ticket to heaven. God has got a plan. Amen. He always does. And here we are. Here we are. We are sitting at the foot of this mountain, this big group of people, this big nation that has become and, and just, I mean, a great number of people. And God begins to reveal to them why he did what he did. Nothing is by accident. Nothing is by, uh, by happen chance. Listen, God has a plan for everything. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write these things down. Number one. Number one, I want you to see the reality, the reality that he explains. The reality that he explains. The Bible says in verse number four, he tells the nation of Israel, he says this, uh, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and how I brought you unto myself, before that God ever made a request, before he ever required anything from them, before he ever laid out the law and laid out the responsibilities that they were going to have and the requirements that he was going to give them to be what he wanted them to be, he reminded them of what he had done for them. See, you got to understand that they wasn't looking for God. God came looking for them. They couldn't get out of their situation. They were slaves. They were powerless. They were helpless in their situation. But there was a great God in heaven a father in heaven who heard their cry, who saw their torture, who saw their difficulty, and he loved them right where they were and looked beyond their fault, and he saw their need. And it reminded me of that psalmist when he said, I, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry, and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a 
miry clay. And he set my foot on a rock and established my goings and put a new song in my mouth. And I'm telling you, I got to thinking about what God had done for me. I was a slave to the devil. I was a slave in sin. I was helpless and hopeless without God or his son. But Jesus came to where I was and he fixed my situation. He changed my life. Some of y'all were in slavery to addiction. Some of y'all were in slavery to pornography. Some of y'all were in slavery to sin and the devil. But Jesus came to where you was and brought you out. Somebody ought to give him praise. You say, boy, you sure are getting all excited. Man, I know where I was headed when God found me. I know what I deserve. I deserve to be in hell today. But Jesus loved me like where I was. I didn't have to fix nothing, start nothing, stop nothing. He came to me right where I was, and I'm kind of happy about it. He said, do you remember what I did? I came to you. You didn't come to me. I came to Egypt. I brought the plagues. I brought those things into the life of, of, of Pharaoh. I'm the one that turned the water into blood. I'm the one that brought the flies. I'm the one that brought the frogs. I delivered you. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see how many of y'all remember the day that Jesus came into your life, changed your life forever, and brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, brought you from death unto life? Say amen. amen. He said, remember what I did to the Egyptians, how I brought you out on eagle's wings. What does that mean? That means I couldn't fix myself. He did it for me. And then he says this. This is the cool part. And I brought you unto myself. I brought you unto myself. I got a plan. I got a plan. Now watch this. The next verse, verse 5, says, therefore. Say that word with me. Now, verse 4 is there for verse 5 and 6. Amen? Verse 4 is there for verse 5 and 6. He says, therefore, since I came to where you was, since I came and delivered you out of bondage, since I came and, and, and brought you unto myself, now therefore, he begins to tell them his plan. If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. The second thing we see this morning is not only... A reality that's explained. He, he delivered us and he, he directed us. and Listen, he, he, he brought us to himself. But, but then he says, there is a relationship that I want to have with you. Not only is there a reality explained, there is a relationship that's expected. Now some of y'all, <clears throat> we have a church with a lot of baby Christians in it. And we've got a church with a lot of curious seekers here who are just kind of wanting to know what in the world's going on. You're going by and you're seeing all kind of cars in the parking lot. What are all them people getting there? I'm going to go check that out. Well, guess what? God doesn't save you to give you a ticket out of hell. Only. God doesn't save you just so you could go to heaven. God has a plan for your life. There is a relationship that he expects you to have with him. Now, here is the dilemma that we are in the United States of America, here today in the American church. We've got churches so full of people that, that, that want enough of religion to keep them out of hell, but they don't want enough of religion to get the hell out of them. 
I didn't cuss. I was full of hell when God found me. Listen, it took 40 years for God to get Egypt out of them. It took him just a little bit to get them out of Egypt, but it took the rest of the time to get Egypt out of them. Now, before y'all get all sanctimonious and, and, and highbrowed on me, y'all know good and well I talk plain. I ain't going to beat around the bush. We're running. To, it's just we're way late in the game for that. We're behind the eight ball. Say amen. And the church needs to tighten up. The world is going to hell 100 miles an hour. Our government is so corrupt. And the churches are playing games because we want both sides. We want to play in the world, but we, don't, we, 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 we still want to go to heaven. I want to come in here and be entertained and make me feel good about myself. Just tell me something good about me so I can go out and live like hell itself. Dog, that dog ain't going to hunt. Because when you got saved, the moment that you gave Christ your life, you are no longer your own. He bought you with a price, and he is desiring a relationship with you. God is not about dating. He's about real commitment. God doesn't want to date anybody. He doesn't want a, a casual relationship. He doesn't want to hook up. He wants a committed bride. He desires a relationship. He said, if you will obey my voice, watch this, this is so good. He said, you will be a peculiar people unto me. I, you know, that's, that's, that's New Testament terminology. Y'all remember this? Look at what, it, look, what, it, what in, in Peter, it says this, but ye are a chosen generation. This is talking about the church, y'all. Remember how I said this is going to be a picture of, of what's happening right now? The church is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when I was growing up, I heard preachers preaching this, and they used that word peculiar, and they, they took that, because when I look at the word peculiar, I mean, honestly, boy, that, that dude's peculiar. It means weird. Right? Kind of like some of y'all are looking at me right now. I've never seen a preacher spit before. It's, hey, it is what it is. Peculiar, that's weird. Why are they getting this? Why are they raising their hand? That's, woo. And I heard a preacher preach on that, 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 that Christians are peculiar. They do some peculiar things. They give 10% of their income to people they ain't, ain't never saw before. Man, they show up on Sunday instead of going and playing golf and, and instead of going fishing, they're here, and, and they're sacrificing their time, and they're turning the other cheek. Woo, that's weird. And that's what he applied that, but that's not what that word means right here. It doesn't mean weird doesn't mean strange. It means special. It means above the normal, above the usual. In other words, watch this. This is so good if you'll get this. God's got a whole world right here. Whole world right here. He takes one group of people and he pulls them out. He calls them out. Church, the, the word church means ecclesia, which means a called out assembly. Some of you veterans, you ought to know that, and you should have, you missed the time to shout right there. You baby Christians don't know that yet, but you're going to. And, and, you, and you senior Christians, you, you should have done known better. He calls this group out, just like God has called out the church out of this world. Are y'all with me? And he says, look, now the whole world is mine. I'm reading right out of that verse. Right, let me read it again. Some of y'all are a little slow. Look here, verse number 5. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar, a special treasure unto me above four. 
Now all the earth is mine, but you're going to be different. You're going to be special. You see, God is desiring a, a preferred relationship with you. You see, you are the church. You see, all of this world, you ever, you ever heard this... You ever heard this terminology, we're all God's children? You ever heard somebody say that? That's a lie. We're not all God's children. He's not everybody's father. He's everybody's God. God has created everybody. He's everybody's God, but he's not everybody's father until you're in the family. So you've got to be adopted into the family. You, that's, that, we'll get to that later. Amen. He is calling out a church. He is calling out an assembly. And listen, the church, those who choose him, he brings out and says, now you're special. You have a preferred relationship. There's something that's different about you. And God has called us to be special. Special. Now, we use the word holiness. Now, let me, let me read this verse. Let me read this verse. You see, the Bible says, Ye shall be unto me kingdoms of priests and a holy nation. Over here in the New Testament, 1 Peter. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And we take that word holy, and we think that means you got to wear a tie, you can't wear no makeup. It basically means you're hot and ugly. Say amen. That's not what that means. I believe everybody needs to look sharp. Say amen. I believe every, every, some people, some people don't, but some people need a little help. Amen. That just is what it is. I'm not going to stand here and preach against stuff that God don't preach against. It's not talking about a culturalistic style of dress. What he is saying when he says, I want you to be holy, that word holy means set apart, sanctified, kind of like the Holy Grail. Have you all ever seen the Holy Grail? In other words, this cup is only for the king's use. It's only nobody else can use it. Nobody else has the benefit of it. It is special. It is set apart. It is holy. And you know what? The church is special. It is set apart. It is holy. God wants you to be different from the world. God don't want you to act like the world talk like the world, dress like the world, behave like the world. You are set apart. You are special. Special. God looks at you different than he looks at the rest of the world. You're the apple of his eye. You are the bride of Christ. Now, there's a bunch of pretty ladies in here, but I don't look at none of y'all like I look at that good-looking one on the front row right there. On the end, my wife. Let me clarify that because there's several right there. Amen. This one on the end right here. Wave, Tammy, so they know who, that's mine right there. Glory to God. She's special. She gets my attention when nobody gets my attention. Are y'all with me? She's special. She's mine. And God is saying to church, he desires a special relationship with you. That's why he answers prayers that you pray. That's why he, he takes time out to come into this building and let you feel him for a while. There's a preferred relationship that he is desiring with you. Now here's the deal. It's going to take something for this relationship to take place. Watch what it says. Patrick, I didn't see this in the early service, but watch what it says. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. Guess what it's going to take to have that special relationship? Obedience. 
In other words, we can't just come in here and get a feel-good sermon, feel good about ourselves, and then go out there and live everything we just heard the opposite in here. If you want to have that closeness with Him, it's going to take purity and holiness. Say amen. But you see, God desires this relationship that He expects. It's not only a preferred relationship, but it is a privileged, say that word with me, it is a privileged relationship. Boy, when you see this, this is good. This is so good. I'm telling you, this is gooder than good. He says, I want you to be a nation of priests. A priest was a representative, an ambassador. All right, so far, so far as we have read, now stay with me, this is going to get a little deeper, but you need to learn how to swim in the deep water. Time to take the floaties off, amen? So far... Moses has been acting as the priest. God would tell Moses something, he would tell the people. He was the representative. Say that word with me. He was the... They would tell Moses something, he would go tell God. But God is saying, what I'm looking for, the reason that I called you out, is I want all of you to be representatives of me to the rest of the world. Does that make sense? In other words, I don't want to tell Moses, I want to tell you. Moses so far has had the privilege, he's had the privilege to be in the presence of God and hear directly from God. But God is saying here in this statement, I want all of you to have that privilege. I want a whole nation to have that privilege. What kind of privilege? You realize later on, and we know, we know that this, this didn't happen like God wanted it to happen. It ended up being the, the, the Levites, and there's a reason for that we can talk about later, that, that ended up having the, the, the privilege of having the priesthood. But see, the priesthood, the priests, the representatives of God, they had a privileged, they had a privileged anointing. They had a privileged anointing that nobody else could have. When they got that mixture together, that anointing oil that they poured over them, nobody else could be anointed with that because it was a privileged anointing. Do you realize the church has a privileged anointing? Not only a privileged anointing, but they had a privileged attire. There was a certain dress. There was a, a certain attire that only the priest could wear. And it was a privileged attire. It was something that none of the rest of the people in the nation could wear but the priest because it was privileged. Not only did they have a privileged anointing, but they had a privileged attire. But they had a privileged activity. What was the privileged activity? They could go into the, the tabernacle. They could go into the holy place. They could go into the Holy of Holies. Are y'all with me? They could go into the very Shekinah glory of God where they felt the presence of God and they were in the glory. I'm telling you, there's nothing like getting in the glory of God. Some of y'all were here Sunday night. Some of y'all were here Sunday night and y'all just seen about that much, just a little old bitty tiny speck of the glory of God. Y'all saw just a smidgen of what God is wanting to do in this place. That's why God is making me preach this message this morning because you got a glimpse of the glory a little bit and God wants everybody to have that privilege. Not just one group of people, not just one set apart man. God wants everybody to be a representative, a privileged opportunity to go into the presence of God. It's a privilege, and that's the relationship God is desiring with every single one of you. Every single one of you. Then lastly, put your seatbelt on. This is going to be good. We saw the relationship that he expected. Then, I want you to see this, and don't miss this. 
I want you to see the revelation. Say that word with me. The revelation he encouraged. See, he brought them out. He came to where they was. He saw their need. He fixed them and grabbed them and rescued them just like God rescued all of you in here. And he's bringing you to a place of decision. I said this story is a, is a great parallel to where we are right here at Temple Baptist Church. Because there's so many baby Christians in this room right now that you're at, a, you're at a crossroads right now. Will I go forward or will I go backward? Will I go on with God or will I be satisfied where I am? You see, God has delivered us for a purpose. God has delivered us to have a relationship with us. But not only that, God has delivered us so we could see who He is. Because His greatest desire is for you to know Him. Watch what the Bible says. <clears throat> the Bible says in, in verse number 9, And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. He tells them to go get ready. He tells them to prepare themselves. He tells them to sanctify themselves. Now in verse number 17, verse number 17, it says, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. Say that word with me. He came and brought them out of the camp to... Watch this. There's two things that must take place in our life, and one has already taken place in many of your lives. The revelation that God encouraged is this. He wants you to have an experience with God. He wants every believer to have an experience with Him. The word experience means a practical knowledge. You see, over here in Egypt, they were in bondage. They were in slavery. And here comes a preacher man coming and saying, God's going to set you free. God's going to deliver you. I have heard from God in the wilderness. I've got the Word of God. God's got His hand on me. And I'm telling you, He's going to bring you out. And that preacher man went to preaching. That preacher man went to ministering and doing his thing. And they begin to see the hand of God move in the land of Egypt. They begin to see, listen, water turning into blood. They saw frogs coming out the river. They saw lice and flies. And they saw darkness and hailstones. Are y'all with me? They saw locusts. In other words, they saw the hand of God move in on that place. And they begin to experience some of the activity of God. And they begin to have a practical knowledge of God. Like most everybody in here today. But that was not enough for God. He does not want you just to have a practical knowledge of Him. When I grew up in church, I grew up a pastor's son. I grew up in church my whole life. I grew up in everything. I mean, if the church had it, we were there. We'd done it. I had more Bible verses memorized in the fourth grade than I can remember today. I can't remember my name today. I wore three-piece suits. I carried a King James Bible that was bigger than I was. Everybody called me a little preacher boy because I had an experience. I had practical knowledge of God. I knew every book of the Bible. I could quote verses like crazy. I'm telling you, you ask me a question in the Bible, I could pretty much answer because I knew all about God. Till one day, God came knocking on my door and said, knowing about me is not good enough. I want you to know me. You see this word meet, M-E-E-T? If you'll look it up in your Strong's Concordance, you'll find that word means to encounter God. God didn't want them to just have an experience with God. God wanted them to have an encounter with God. The word encounter means face to face. When, 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 I, was in, when I was in college, 
my best friend and Tammy's best friend were good friends. And 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 his girlfriend said to James, said, said, Tammy like she'd deny this, but I'm telling you, this is God's truth right here. Said, Tammy likes you. You need to ask her out. I said, Really? I said, She's mean. I'm telling you, God is my witness. That's the first thing I said, Man, she's mean. She looks mean. And she's got that serious look. My daughters have that serious look. They're really not as mean as they look. They really aren't. But I don't want the boys to know that. Say amen. But they get that from her mama. Her mama looks mean all the time. She's really a good woman, but she looks mean. When we got married, when we got married, I weighed 135 pounds. Now I weigh too much right now, too much. <laughs> First time I saw her, I walked, God is my witness. She took a Hershey's kiss and threw it at me and said, eat this, you need it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I, I knew about her in, in, in church and school and all that, and I had a practical knowledge. But then I met her. Ooh. I fell in love. And we got to know each other. And here, we was, I don't even remember, we was, we was cutting up the other day, and I said something stupid as usual. And uh, she said, well, Malcolm, we've been married almost 20 years. I said, it's been that long? It's time flies when you're having fun. Amen. It didn't work for her. She didn't. But now we, we have an awesome time because I don't have a practical knowledge of her. I've not just had an experience. I've had an encounter. And I love her more today than I've ever in my entire life because there's something about an intimate relationship where she knows everything about me that none of you even come close to know. Listen, have you had an experience with God or have you had an encounter? Have you experienced the plagues and have you experienced the deliverance of God out of sin and all of that? But have you come to that place where you've come to Mount Sinai and you said, God, I'm ready to see you face to face? He said, I'm bringing the people out to meet with God because there is a major difference. We, we see Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob, when he was running from his brother, he is running from his brother and he has a dream and, and we know that, 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 that God speaks with him in that dream in, in Genesis 28. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. He had an experience and he, and he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And he called the place Bethel or house of God because he had an experience with God. Now that convicted him. That got his attention. Some of y'all have come into this place and you've had enough of the experience of God that it convicted you. It bothered you enough that when you left here, you were a little bit bothered. You were convicted. The Holy Ghost grabbed your heart. You may have even raised your hand in an invitation and you may listen, the Holy Ghost is gripping your heart, but God wants more. He wants you to have more than just an experience. You say, how do you know? How do you know? Listen, because he kept on being conniving. Jacob kept living up to his name. But when he was coming back, y'all know the story. By the brook, he began to wrestle with God. He wrestled, listen, with God. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
He moved from having an experience in a dream to now he is wrestling face to face with God. Man, this is better than what y'all are shouting. Hallelujah. It says in Genesis thirty-two thirty, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. When he had a Bethel experience, it convicted him. But when he had that brook encounter with God, it changed him. Because when he left that place, he was halt upon his thigh. He never walked the same. He never talked the same. He even changed his name from Jacob to Israel, from a conniver to the prince of God. I'm telling you, have you ever got into his presence and encountered him so much that he changed you who you were? He's wanting to, he's wanting to touch you. He's wanting you to encounter him. He's wanting to change your life forever. Now, some of y'all are sitting here and your heart's beating 100 miles an hour because you really desire, because every Christian desires to have that close relationship with God, but you're afraid. You see, when the nation of Israel, when the nation of Israel saw the mountain on fire, when they, they heard the thunder flat, listen, the thunder crashing and the, and the trumpet blowing, and they saw that, and then God began to lay his law down and what was required of them to come meet with him. They were afraid. God wanted them to have an encounter. God wanted the whole nation to be representatives. God wanted that whole nation to be priests and have the privilege of being in the presence of God. But in chapter number 20, chapter number 20, in verse number 18, the Bible says, And all the people saw the thunderings, and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. Let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said, Don't, don't worry, don't be afraid. Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be for, before your faces, that you sin not. Now watch this. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near into the thick darkness where God was. How many of y'all mamas in here? Or maybe, maybe you remember as, as a child how a mama will take those green beans and put them in her mouth for a little baby, uh, put those green beans in her mouth and, and, and mash it up. This is before Gerber and all that stuff. And, and mash it up in her mouth and, and make it where that baby, and take it out of her mouth and give it to that baby. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, before all that, that's, that's the way it was done. It was pre-digested so that the baby could handle it. Here's the deal. The American church is in a crisis. Because the American Christian sees what God is expecting out of them. He's seeing the holiness of God and seeing the majesty of God and seeing the power and the presence of God. And instead of moving into the presence of God and be willing to, listen, to be willing to be what God wants them to be, they are satisfied with somebody else chewing up their food and giving it to them. He said, Moses, you go get it. You go get it and you just come back and tell us. Let me tell you something. I've been in some preaching this week. I've been in a camp meeting all week, and I've heard a bunch of preaching. And it's good, and it's wonderful, and I love hearing something, and God speaks to me through somebody else, and I get something from their gleaning. But it is nowhere near what it is when I'm in my special place, and I'm in the Word of God, and God speaks directly to my soul. It's like going from that pablum to T-bone steak. Now, here's the question. What are you going to do today? 
We've got senior saints in here. We've got baby Christians in here. And we've got non-Christians in here. You've seen the glory of God. You've experienced the glory today. You've, you, you have felt His presence in this building right now. You know it. You know it when you walked in. You feel it now. God's touching your heart and your heart's beating fast. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to take the privilege? Are you going to have that privileged relationship that God wants you to have right now? Are you going to have that anointing that God wants you to have right now? Are you going to experience the presence and press into that darkness where Moses went, where God was? Are you going to be satisfied to leave here like you came? Are you going to be satisfied to leave here in the condition that you came, whether you came lost or whether you came immature or whether you came, uh, listen, uh, 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 backslidden on God or are you going to say, no, 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 I'm not leaving the way I came. I'm not going to settle for an experience. I want an encounter with God. Listen, this is the invitation right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you want an encounter? Do you want an encounter right now? And please be, 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 be as, as still as you can be. God is moving in this place right now. Unless you've got a, a job to do, please be as still as you can.